Hello, my name is Chris Fett and welcome to Saturday at Freeze, two defeat from a crisis. On this episode, myself and the guys will be looking back on Rangers 2-0 win over Dundee United and Dundee. And joining me for this is, first of all, Eddie. Eddie, how are you doing, mate? Evening, I'm doing well. Um, a lot better than I was probably after the first 45 minutes, but we'll get into that later on. We certainly will, we certainly will. And finally, joining Eddie and I is, he's almost my right-hand man these days. Kenny, Kenny, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm good, mate. Um it's it's been it's 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 been good the last couple of days, so um good stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Uh, and Rangers have not ruined my mood uh, quite yet, you know. Um I'm 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 still at that stage, Kenny. I don't know if you're at that stage where you're just expecting it to collapse again, but I think we're looking pretty and we will get into this, but I think we are looking more solid, um, not as vulnerable. We we we're still pretty much at the stage where we don't have an abundance of ideas, but we don't look soft. We don't have that soft underbelly. I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, up to a point. I, I thought we were. Uh, I was. I'd never thought the result was in danger yesterday. To be honest. Well, nah. I, I don't think it was in in any danger. But I think the only kind of problem for me, and as I said, we will get into this. But the only problem for me is if anyone was going to shoot us in the foot, it was going to be ourselves. Um, because there was a wee bit of overplay in the kind of inner third of the part that I was not particularly impressed by. Um, I thought Stephen Fletcher really, really gave Connor Goldson and Ben Davis a really tough 45, but he faded. But as I say, we'll get into it. The first thing I want to talk about is the, is the line-up. Um, I dare come to you first for this. It was McLaughlin, Tav, Goldson, Davies, Barisic, Jack Lundstrom, Tillman, Sakala, Kent and Cholak. Talking points there, uh, a few. Um, John McLaughlin in goals. Cholak in for Morelos, and you can also look at it um, from the point of view of no Alex Lowry. And something that was brought to my attention uh, was obviously there was only three uh, three new signings in the starting eleven again, and then that reduced to two because obviously Cholak was off at half time for Morelos. Now there's a combination of reasons for that, obviously fitness etc. Um, but the fact that you know Rabi Matondo. Um, I don't even know if he was on the bench, to be honest. Uh, that's how much I've just not kind of paid attention to his name. But um, Eddie, it's 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 just looking like a disastrous uh, signing and um, a comment on McLaughlin's inclusion and Cholak's inclusion. Yeah, R- Rabi Matondo's, uh, I think we're kind of at the stage now where it's kind of out there that it hasn't worked. Um, will he turn it round? I very much doubt it. I hope he does, but it is disappointing. I really wanted him to succeed because obviously he's Welsh. I was hoping he was going to kick on with us and then that would lead to good things at Rangers and good things for Wales. Um, it hasn't worked and I, I, to be honest, nothing I've seen from him in competitive football for us makes me think that he'll be able to turn it around. Um, I think it's going to be one of those, he'll end up going to a lower league team like Shea Ojo has and, and potentially being successful there like Shea Ojo appears to be but never going to really kick on and reach that kind of top level that we were kind of hoping for. So I, I'm not surprised to not see him in the squad anymore, and it doesn't particularly bother me that he isn't in the squad anymore because he's done nothing to warrant it, I'm afraid. The John McLaughlin change came as a bit of a surprise to me. Um, I guess it's more a case of, I, I th- I'm not entirely sure, but when Beale was here last time with Gerard, they were quite a big fan of rotating the keepers. Um, just... You know, a wee bit of the um, Michael Beale did comment on it, saying that he expected balls to be put in the box more. All oh, right, okay. I didn't, I didn't see that um, comment. So, that well, just, then that that speaks volumes as to why he's kind of included yeah. him then, um, and he's he's playing it for a tactic. So that makes sense. 
uh, I was more when I saw the original lineup, I more thought it was kind of we were dropping McGregor because he hasn't really saved anything in the last kind of six months. But then I was more concerned that we were sticking in someone that saved even less. Um, but I guess the the kind of the, the reasoning behind it from Beal there makes sense, to be fair. And I was happy to see Cholak back in. I know he didn't have a great 45, which we'll come to, but overall, um, I do like Cholak. And I, and I know you've got your opinion on his success or chances of success under Beal, but I still think he, he can make a thing of it. So I was happy to see him back. Unfortunately, it appears he's picked up a knock again, but we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, of course he has. Of course he has. That's just what happens these days. Um, Kenny, just on the John McLaughlin uh, comment by Michael Beal, does it, in your opinion, uh, does it undermine what Beal said uh, a couple of weeks ago when he says he doesn't understand why there's such a, a narrative over the goalkeeping position as being a problem when he's really comfortable with the goalkeepers he has, when he's dropping what is perceived to be our best keeper, uh, for a keeper with a stronger attribute to deal with a certain tactic by a certain team. Um, because with goalkeepers, you don't usually see that. You don't usually see a keeper coming in to play against a certain style. Um, so to me, just my opinion, not trying to cause any trouble, just giving, my, just giving my, my honest opinion here, to me it just showed a real lack of trust in Alan McGregor for this game. And by the way, uh, it's justified because obviously McGregor coming for... Um, high balls is not his game never really has been but particularly in his older age he's, he's got worse at it or he's just not attempted it um, so does it undermine what he said a little bit and and is the goalkeeping position something we should really be looking to now I know there's been a few rumours but the everything coming out Ibrox especially from Michael Beale has been uh, you know it's, it's, it's something we may look at long term but certainly in the short term i.e. January it's not going to be something that we, we, we do go ahead with I don't think we'll do it in January, Chris, uh, but I do think we'll get... I, it wouldn't surprise me if we actually get rid of both of them in the summer. Um, the one thing I would say about that is, that, you know, you're saying does it undermine them? I don't think it does. I think when you're... You know, if you're a manager like that and you're analysing these things, um, I've seen a stat online today, actually, that out of the last 18 shots that Rangers have faced uh, that have went on target, 11 of them went in. So... Alan McGregor's not saving very much, and that is his strongest attribute, isn't it? That he's a, he's a great shot stopper, one of the best we've ever seen, obviously. Uh, but if he's not doing that, we know his weaknesses. Uh, it didn't. Uh, it surprised me yesterday that uh, he changed it, but it doesn't actually overly surprise me that uh, he has decided to have a look and see because. Uh, it is an issue. The goalkeeping situation is an issue. Uh, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't think he will change it this January at all. I think there's more important things to be addressed, but uh, I think it really does need to be sorted out um, in the summer. It really does. I think, yeah, you know, if we're going to take a deep analysis of the situation, I think the the time to have addressed this situation would have been in the summer anyway. Uh, I think it's looking more and more likely that it was just a quite a, a poor decision to retain McGregor. Uh, you know, we were all a bit kind of why has this happened? We, we, we've seen an obvious decline in him last season. Yeah, he finished the season fairly strongly, but he had the opportunity to go out in a high, and then all of a sudden it was almost a kind of romantic uh, gesture, if you will, to retain him for one last year, which I don't think was the right decision, and it's obviously cost us, but just back on Michael Beal, he's justified entirely by picking McLaughlin because we won the game and we kept another clean sheet and Eddie, 
this may surprise you, but I've seen a stat that this is the first time Rangers have kept back-to-back clean sheets away from home in 13 months. And obviously the credit can't go to John McLaughlin for that. The credit really has to go to the fact that we've got a consistent pair at the back now in Colin Golson and Ben Davis. So I have to say, I will come on to Ben Davis in just a wee second individually, but they've been fantastic. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, I know me and you had a slight disagreement about Ben Davies um, not long ago, but that was more around his availability rather than his actual ability, to be fair. And I think you're spot on. Since they've been together for a kind of more consistent run, they're looking stronger and stronger. And I I really like them as a pairing. I think it'll be a good one going forward. It's the first time I've really felt settled with a centre-back pairing outside of Goldson and Hillander. But, you know, Davies brings his own kind of similar worries to the Hollander worries um, in regards to injuries and availability. But so far, what I've seen, I'm really impressed with them and I'm happy with that centre-back partnership and hopefully hopefully we can keep them going for a long time. Yeah, uh, you're, you're, you're totally right in regards to Ben Davis. I've never questioned his ability. I think he's a fantastic footballer. And we've seen that yesterday as well. His passing into midfield was quite crucial in the end uh, and, and that, having that composure to pick a man out it's not something we've seen since Phil, Phil Hollander really uh, I know Goldson can do it but Goldson prefers to go long whereas Hollander preferred to go into the middle and that seems to be now where they're complementing each other Goldson goes long Davis goes short and it clearly works uh, my issue with Davis always was and I described him as a very poor signing not because of ability but purely because of the price and his availability uh, but you know Fair, fair play to the guy, he's starting to get himself consistently fit. He's been available for most games since Bill came back, and long may it continue. And if that does continue, then he can change from being a poor signing to a very, very good signing. Because there's no doubt about it, if we can get 40, 50 games out of Ben Davis next season, we're going to be successful. Whether that you know correlates to uh, trophies or not, that remains to be seen. But Ben Davis is certainly a, a fantastic defender. Kenny, just on Golson Davis then, so let's just start... Uh, talking about the game and as as I alluded to Stephen Fletcher was giving uh, Davis and Goldson some issues uh, with his physicality I, I noticed it was winning a fair share of headers um, but what I did notice was I don't know if you noticed this if Davis went to go and challenge for the ball with Fletcher Goldson would drop deep um, and vice versa if Goldson went to challenge Fletcher for the ball Davis would drop deep and more often than not, Fletcher was winning those knock-ons, uh, or those flick-ons, sorry. But it was going to, obviously, the man who kept himself deep, where it would be Golson or Davis, because there was no one further forward for Dundee United. So we were pretty much getting away with it, because Goldson and Davis managed it perfectly. If that's Lundstrom, King, Sands, uh, you know, that there is potential for a wee bit of havoc there. But the, the game management there from those two... Although they weren't winning their battles each and every time, we were still retaining the ball and we were still kind of coming out on top really in the end. Uh, it's, it's the old saying, isn't it? We weren't really winning the battles, but we were winning the war. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the two of them together, they look confident in each other, don't they? They look quite uh, at ease with each other. You can always tell when Conor Goldson's comfortable because he comes on to a game. Uh, if he's comfortable with his partner. You've seen that with Hollander before. And uh, Look, I, I've got to say, I've been really, really impressed with Ben Davis since he's come back from this injury. He, he really impressed me. Uh, what I noticed when you were saying that, that I think the two of them realised quite early on that they weren't going to win huge amounts in the air. And that's why, as you say, one was coming forward, one was sitting deep. Um, and it was in the full knowledge that you make a challenge, make it hard for the guy. He is good in the air, Fletcher, got to be fair to that. That is the one good thing about him. He is 
fantastic in there. Um, and they used that really well in the first half hour, I thought. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I've got to be honest. I, I, I don't think there's any coincidence since Conor Golson's come back from injury and he's been lucky enough to get Ben Davies back. That's why we're, we're starting to look really quite solid through the middle of the defence and uh, that two back t- I didn't realise that stat actually that that's the first time we've done that in 13 months kept two back to back clean sheets uh, but it's down to those two I would suggest I, I, I'm very impressed with the pair of them together I've got to say Absolutely, absolutely um, they've been fantastic, can't can't fault them and, and listen anybody that knows me I will always look for folks before I look for positives and, and particularly with A2 it's it's very very difficult to find a fault. Um, so the first forty five as a whole was very poor, I would say. Um, lack of invention, lack of ideas. There, there was no lack of effort. I have to say that though. Some some games this season, uh, in particular under uh, Geo, there, there was a lack of effort, but certainly not in this game. I felt Jack was passing it to Lundstrom. Lundstrom was looking around, Lundstrom would pass it back to Davis, Davis would try and put it back into midfield. If he did, the ball would then go back to Tav or Barisic, would then try and walk the ball down the wings. If there's nothing on, we'd turn back, back to the defenders, and even sometimes it would go back to McLaughlin. Um, Fashion Sakala obviously alluded to this in his post-match interview, saying it was very, very crowded there. I don't actually, I've seen a a deeper, more crowded low block in Scotland in my time. I don't think it was as bad as maybe... Fashion Sakala felt it was, but they certainly they certainly were playing a low block. It was just Dundee United were soaking up the pressure uh, and kind of in, in their own half, and then they were capitalising on individual errors. And more disappointingly for me, the they had the beating of Tav Glenn Middleton did quite a few times. Um, so obviously there's a problem with Tav, and the problem we're told isn't fitness, but it's just form. It looks like. So the worry for me, Eddie, with Tavernier is, I alluded to this privately with you, Eddie, in terms of declining bodies or football players. The last thing you go is obviously the technique, but the legs go first, sometimes the mind will go, and then the technique will go. You can still see Tav's quite clearly got the technique. I'm just now worried that this isn't a form thing, that this is a declining player who is clearly struggling. I think we will still get moments, individual moments of brilliance from Tav, but I think they'll become few and far between. Uh, few and far between. The, my worry now, predominantly, is, is Tav's defending, because I have to say that first half, it just wasn't good enough. Uh, Glenn Middleton, I'm not, I'm not going to say Glenn Middleton roasted him, but it, it, got the, it got the better of him quite a few times. And what worries me there is the fact that it is Glenn Middleton. It's no disrespect to, to, to Glenn Middleton. I just mean that, Tav should know Glenn Middleton inside out, so he should know what he's trying to do, and even even then he couldn't really cope with it. Don't get me wrong, Tav came on to a very strong second half, but just talking about the first half in isolation, how did you feel about that? Yeah, I think you're kind of spot on with your analysis there. It's It feels like he's kind of hit towards the end of his race. Um, and that, listen, Tav's been a wonderful signing for the club. You know, we, we signed him for not a lot of money, like pennies in, in world football terms. He's been at the club for years. He's been pretty much um, a permanent fixture in the team, apart from when he had his operation and a couple of little niggly injuries. But more, he's played a lot of football while he's been at this club, and that catches up with people as well. Not just age, but you know, you look at Craig Gordon. He missed a big chunk of football, and that allowed him to kind of keep his career going a little bit longer than is probably normal. Um, still at the top of his game. 
because he he hadn't put his body through the rigors that playing week in week out kind of puts on you. Now Tav not only is kind of an aging right back in a position where a lot where we the way we use him he's, he's required to run up and down the pitch a lot more than perhaps some other teams right backs and he's done that for 40 nearly 50 games a season for at least the last kind of five years um so is it any wonder that kind of his body's now starting to get tired and lose a bit of the the pace that he had a bit of the kind of awareness that he had and you're right the technique's the last thing to go but and, and you can still see it but he, he will decline and Unfortunately, that happens to everyone eventually. And the amount of football that Tav's put in over the last few years, uh, I'm not surprised that it's starting, or it would appear that it's starting to decline a bit. That doesn't put a slight on Tav's legacy for me. I think Tav's been a wonderful player for the club. Um, I'll always be appreciative of everything he's done. I mean, last season he was the top goal scorer in the Europa League. How often does a right-back end up the top scorer in any European tournament? But the one thing he's always been missing is that kind of defensive um, stability and now that he's perhaps losing some of his other abilities and um, that defensive bit is being shown up a bit more because you could forgive you forget you can forgive him not kind of having a right winger in his pocket when actually he's bombing forward all the time and producing cross after wonderful cross after wonderful cross but when that attacking threat isn't there quite as much as it was and I'm not saying it's completely gone but you know it's it's not at the level it's been the last couple of years certainly so far this season and when that drops off you can't then afford to not have the defensive capabilities in there as well so we're kind of re- reaching a stage in his career where he's going to be going from automatic first choice on the team sheet to now we're going to have to start looking at maybe he's bringing him out for the odd game here and there and slowly reducing his workload and bringing in Divine if he's the next one that we want to fit into that position and taking it from there. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree with that, to be honest. Kenny, what, what's your opinion on uh, Tav's kind of situation at the moment? Yeah, pretty much agree with the period. I think you're you're absolutely right. I think he's, his form this season's been disappointing, to say the least. Um, I, listen, defensively, he's never been the greatest defensively, if, if we're being honest, but he, he's solid at the back. But he or normally has been, but he's he hasn't been this season. Far too easy to play against, far too easy to go past, far too often out of position. Um, I, I, the concentration levels aren't the same. You know, added to that, the fact that you know he is getting older, he, the pace isn't quite the same as well this season. Um, I, I feel sorry for him in a certain way because it, uh, to me, you have to have competition. Uh, in every every uh, position here, and I don't think he's actually got that. I think he just knows he's going to play every single week, uh, and that can lead to uh, an overconfidence to a certain degree that you're still the same player. Um, he needs co- competition, whether it's divine or not. I'm not quite sure, uh, but we have to start looking at perhaps replacing. When I say replacing, I'll rephrase that. Given of competition, we've got to have two full backs, two right backs that can play. Um, to as Eddie said, to reduce that workload. Anyway, I don't want to see him going anywhere. I want him at Rangers for as long as he wants to be there. Basically, certainly till his contract runs out. But yeah, I I, I do totally agree with the period. It's disappointing and it's it's a bit of a sad watch at the minute. Yeah, 
One thing I will say about James Tavernier is he's been written off many times and he's kind of rammed others' words down their throat. Uh, this is the first time I've ever really had a prolonged period of worrying about James Tavernier. So I hope that I'm the recipient of him ramming words down my throat because, as I've always said, yeah, I get that I can kind of look at certain negatives. It doesn't mean that I don't want Rangers to win and it doesn't mean I don't want any Rangers player not to be successful. So if a Rangers player makes me look foolish, then I'm all for it because that means we've got a successful Rangers. I just sort of kind of, I look at things when I form an opinion, I look at the long-term impact and going forward at the moment, James Tavernier does worry me. However, I'm at the stage where I'm going to completely write him off. Probably not because of his, you know, past past form and and and, and past route. The, the way that he's, he's came back before from, from tricky periods, but it just seems to be, a lot of people obviously talk about maybe injuries or form, uh, but to me it just seems to be that kind of natural decline which happens to every footballer, and it's it's something that, as you two guys have said, it may have to be addressed. I think we will get away with it between now and the end of the season, but in the summer, Michael Beale's going to have a wee bit of a tricky situation to deal with. Uh, other than that, there wasn't really many chances in the first half. Cholak was very much ineffective. Uh, obviously, mitigating circumstances there, he's picked up another knock. A different knock as has been confirmed by Michael Beale, which is just typical. Uh, Kent was industrious, but wasn't getting much joy. Sakala looked as if he'd never played a game of football before in his life. And that's no disrespect to Sakala. That, that's actually more of a term of endearment, really, because this is who fashion Sakala is. He's a lucky bag. You know, sometimes you're going to get something out of this world, which we will come to. And sometimes you'll look up and try to trap a ball and he falls over it. And you're just thinking to yourself, what the actual, you know, how 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 did this guy rip Joseph Juranovic, who had a very strong World Cup? How did he manage to rip him apart just seven days ago? And yet he's up against lesser opposition and he just looks as if he's never seen a football before. Um, but that... that to me, for Fashion Sakala, uh, that that's part of his appeal. That's part of his, you know, persona, really. And I'm, I know Dave from the pod is starting to really, really want me. I have to say, I am as well. Like he's he's becoming fat, fast becoming one of my favourites. He really, really is. And if we just talk about Sakala for a second here, because I think we have covered the first forty-five. There really isn't much to talk about. Um, Sakala for me. There's, there's always, when a new manager comes in, there's always one that outperforms. There's always one that you, you think to yourself, wow, where was this under the previous manager? And sometimes it can be just that change. Sometimes it can be they've been given more opportunities. Certainly in Sakala's case, he has been given more opportunities. And Eddie, I know he frustrates the, the, the life out of you as well, mate. But you, even you can't say that Fashion Sakala hasn't made an impact since Michael Beals coming in the door because the assists and the goals are just there. And... Uh, you know, his effectiveness is is, is just what I, I wish that Gio gave him a chance. That's basically what I'm trying to say because there's no way he wouldn't have worked under Gio, um, especially with Gio's system of keeping guys out wide. Sakala just seems to be absolutely thriving at the moment. Albeit, I know, I know you, Eddie. Uh, you'll be pulling what's left of your hair out with him sometimes, and you certainly probably were in that first half. But my God, what an impact he's had the last month and a half to two months. Yeah, to be honest, I think he had a pretty decent record last season as well. I just get frustrated because that first 45 minutes, like you say, it looked like he'd never played football in his life. And that frustrates me. And then I'll get really frustrated and then he will have a moment of uh, just absolute genius. I, I think while he was contributing when he 
on the odd occasion when he did play last season. I think the reason he thrives under Michael Beale is because Michael Beale's system is ideal for him. And I, I disagree when you say he potentially would have thrived under Gio. I don't think he would have. Gio's system was too strict and everyone had a, a role that they had to stick to. And, and Gio's kind of role for those wide players was they had to stick wide and stay as wingers the whole time. I think Sakala is just so chaotic he fits perfectly with Beale's system because his two wide players are basically chaos players. He has, uh, as he did when um, when Gerard was here, it's two number 10s who can just go anywhere they feel like, interchange, come into the middle, drop back, go forward, do whatever they feel like. And I think that fits perfectly for Sakala. And that's, prob- that's why we signed him in the first place when Gerard was still here, because he fits that kind of chaos system of, we don't know what he's going to do. He doesn't know what he's going to do, but actually he's got free reign to go and do whatever he feels like anyway. And what we're seeing now is, yeah, we'll have first halves like yesterday where he's completely ineffectual and he doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. But we'll also have second halves like we did yesterday where he's just unplayable. And and like that second half in the old firm as well, where he can be just unplayable. And because of the chaos that he causes, because no one knows what he's doing, he will just go out and cause absolute confusion in that back line and get it and pull off like magic he's what he is to me is a bit like when newcastle signed fastino Aspria back in 96 97 season and it was often said we don't know what he's going to do next because he doesn't know what he's going to do with the ball and it is just the modern day version of that for me i, I think i tweeted that out earlier today um, that he's the first footballer that fastino Aspria has ever looked at and went man that that lad is full of chaos yeah, it's a good, it's a good analogy. Uh, obviously, half time came. There's, there's another player in particular, not that I want to pick on, but I just want to highlight that I felt was underperforming in that first half, and that's Malik Tillman. Uh, I thought Tillman was trying a few cute things, which really weren't the time or place to be doing so, and that was kind of frustrating me. So I was a wee bit annoyed. Uh, and uh, before anyone wants to write in any letters, uh, Michael Beale actually agreed to the the two guys that were fr- frustrating him the most in that first half was Tillman and Cholak. But he took a more kind of relaxed, humorous approach to his halftime team talk. Well, he said that we all just had a bit of a laugh and joke about it. I'm not too sure about that, but uh, it clearly worked because I think it was Scott that said it. Uh, Kenny, um, I wish we could start first halves the way we start second halves. You know, have the halftime team talk before they came out for the first half kind of thing. Uh, obviously, Bill gets a reaction from these players. And we certainly got the reaction from the second half. As we said, Cholak was withdrawn for injury. Morelos came on. I do want to have a wee word about Morelos. We'll come to that at the end. But we came out, we, we seemed to have a point to prove. And the ball gets fed to Barisic, who puts a ball in behind the defence. But it doesn't quite look as if it's going to reach uh, his intended target, which is obviously fashion Sakala, because Sakala is like literally five yards from Barisic, so he has to make up he has to make up some amount of ground. But there's the cutest, absolute, the most delightful we kind of assist by the from the chest by Ryan Jack right into the path of the oncoming rampage in fashion Sakala, who takes the most wonderful first touch and then volleys it with his left foot and puts Rangers one up. Now, listen, I thought I overreacted to this yesterday. I, I thought that's one of the best goals I've ever seen. Um, and then I watched it back, and then I thought, that's one of the best goals I've ever seen. It was an absolute beautiful goal. If Lionel Messi had done that at the World Cup, we wouldn't be... I know this is a cliche, but we wouldn't be here in the end. It, it was wonderful, Kenny. 
Listen, mate, I sat and watched it with my boy, and the period bounced off the seat. What a finish. What an incredible goal. The first thing that we noticed as it all was happening was the absolute pace that he's got. It's just ridiculous how fast he's going when he takes control of that ball. He's got that wee flick up, and then he smashes it. I, t- I actually tend to agree with you. I think it's probably my favourite goal uh, that Rangers have scored all season. I could not believe how good it was. Um, just sensational. Um, and it's amazing to think that it's the same player that, you know, 10 minutes before half time had managed to get himself to the byline, tackle himself, trip himself up, win the ball. It's incredible how chalk and cheese this guy is. And I love him, actually. I've got to say, I've liked him since the day. He got here. I remember him scoring in the, the the friendly against Real Madrid, and he scored an absolute stonker there as well. Um, what a, what what an enigma of a player that boy is! Absolutely brilliant, and what a finish! Can you agree more? Well, actually, I, I have to you know disagree and say that I've never all I've, I've not always loved him because he frustrated the absolute life out of me when he first came to Rangers. But as as a as I mentioned to Eddie Kenny, like he's fast becoming one of my favourites now because just that unpredictability and then that the having having the ability to, to create moments like he did yesterday and it was just a, a, an unbelievable goal. Um just just a quick comment, Kenny, on the assist by Ryan Jack. How 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 beautiful it was just sexual. Absolutely brilliant. Also a tremendous uh, pass with the outside of the boot. To, from Borna Barisic uh, and the, the vision that Ryan Jack's got because he, he totally means it that was that was what really surprised me he actually totally means it he has a wee look to hits it right in his path absolutely superb goal from from start to even the wee move because as you said at the start there when Sakala's coming so deep and all the rest absolutely tremendous uh, and Ryan Jack was easily the, the best player in the part in the second half for me actually as well brilliant Totally agree. Eddie, three minutes later, Rangers double the lead. We bit of chaos in the box. Uh, Tav kind of breaks in. The ball is scrambled away, but there seems to be a clutch of bodies um, in the path of Malik Tillman, who very calmly and coolly swings the ball around everyone to find an impossible target to get the, the, the ball in the net. Again, a guy I criticised, a guy I criticised quite often, actually. I'm going to keep doing it. I'll tell you why, because every time I do it, it produces a moment of magic. Um, so that has to be a superstition that has to be retained between now and the end of the season. Uh, just just another great goal. Um, and, you know, we have that confidence of getting that opener. There, there seems to be less pressure on them, and the players are expressing themselves quite freely after this. And the, the game was never in doubt after that, because Dundee United were done. Yeah, that... That goal is just something else. I've watched it a good 20 times trying to figure out how exactly he's managed to score it. Um, one of our friends kind of put in for us earlier that it had an XG of 0.08. Now, I'm not a great buyer into that XG. I don't know how they come up with the numbers. It just seems like they pluck a random number out of the air to me. But that kind of does highlight how difficult a goal that one was to score. And no matter how, how many times I watch it, I think put that scenario back in play a million times and that's the only time it goes in um, and thankfully it, it is the only time that it went in was the one that we happened to, to be watching and needed it um, I've sat next to you on a number of games where you've been slagging off Tillman uh, I, so I fully understand your dislike of him I like him, I think he's a good player um, I do think he can drift in and out of games 
Um, I do think he can be really frustrating, but way back when on one of our podcasts, I compared him to Joe Aribo, and I do still think he's a good replacement for Aribo because I, I felt that Aribo went missing in games for long periods of times, but you knew that other games he could turn them on their head and he could be the star man, and I think Tillman's got that as well. I know you're not massively keen on spending the reported $5 million to sign him. I would, purely because I think $5 million in the grand scheme of football isn't a huge amount of money. Yes, it's a big outlay for us, but I genuinely think Tillman's the type of player that keep producing the way he has the last couple of games. Um, I suppose the old firm's up for debate on that one. I think he played well, others don't. But produce games like he did yesterday, certainly, and have a few of them. Do a couple of them in some European games. Um I think we'll turn him over for a massive profit. I think he's exactly the type of player that Premier League clubs come in and spend a fortune on. So I would pay the five million for him. Thanks for doing me dirty there, mate. saying that I really, really dislike him. That was that was very kind of you. Um, no. It's just because I'm going to send him a copy of the recording so that he knows who to give his uh, comps to, not you, <laughs> me. I have to say, though, see, at the end of the game, obviously I was ill, and it, he kind of took his applause. Uh, himself, the, the the players were kind of almost down the tunnel and he was still there taking the applause. Uh, he just looked absolutely embarrassed and that's what I like about him. Actually, that is one of the, the, the positives I like about him. He's obviously a very humble wee guy who just, well, he's not a wee guy, certainly not a wee guy, but he's just a very humble boy who is almost embarrassed sometimes by the adul- adulation that he gets and, and he does get plenty of it. As I say, the ability is, the ability is there. I don't think there's any Doubting that, I'd be stupid to say it's not. It's just the, it's just the consistency, the value, and you know how much is this going to impact future business? Because five million for for Tillman, to me the fear there is that that means that we can't spend money elsewhere uh, on the team. But hopefully, uh, I think it was Dave that said it. If he's a five million pound signing, part of a kind of fifteen million pound transfer splits, then yeah, I, I would do it. It's it's just I'm I'm still nervous. However. I'm kind of running out of arguments here because his output has just been outstanding. It's a goal and assist just almost every game now. That's that is his that is his output at the very moment. That is his current form, and you really really can't argue with it. Um, and as I said, the game was pretty much done after that second goal. It petered out. Few subs were made by each team, um, and that that was that. Ryan Jack I thought was phenomenal in that second half. As Kenny said, I thought he was everywhere. Covered every blade of grass. Um, I'm covering all the football cliches here, obviously, as well. Um, I don't actually think he lost the ball. His uh, kind of tracking back, putting out the fires as well. Brilliant. Um, one player I do want to have a, a, a wee discussion about, nothing too major, but I mentioned on Twitter that, obviously, I sit with Eddie. When I go to Ibrox, I sit with Eddie. Me and Eddie sit in the kind of governed rear, so we're obviously not quite close to the action. We've got a good, good view of the game, but we're not as close to the action. Um, so that can be quite uh, deceiving. Um, on the TV, again, I've watched Rangers on TV quite a few times this season. I, I have to say that that's also deceiving. But see, obviously at Tannadice, I was right up close to the action and seeing Morelos that close kind of brought home to me just how ridiculous of a situation he's got himself into here. Um, I can't, uh, you know, Kenny, I'll come to, come to you here, but I, I, I cannot believe the shape he's got himself into. As listen, I, I have to say, first disclaimer: probably one of the biggest Alfredo Morelos fanboys you'll ever meet. I, I love Alfredo Morelos, and I think that sentiment is is not really healthy because I'm I am overlooking his negatives 
and there's plenty of them at the moment. But I have to say that the shape he's in is just an utter disgrace. It's so unprofessional. And we talk about declining Tav. Alfredo Morelos is 18 months away for just kicking a ball in the kind of Colombian Premier Division for some mid-table team and then never to be heard of again. And then in maybe 15 years' time, we'll probably see him on the circuit doing some doing some after-dinner speaking because he he has he has let himself go and that is a problem and I certainly and as I said I have to say this has been one of the biggest Morelos fanboys there is I certainly would if, there, if there's a contract off on the table I'd be withdrawing it and I would not be giving him a new contract if he wants to stay he's got until the end of the season to get himself in shape if not he needs to go because as much as he did and I have to say he did change the game ever so slightly yesterday this is not sustainable. He's getting bigger and bigger. And and I know the world we live in, you know, we shouldn't really be talking about the how, how people look. I get I get that. This isn't a fat shaming thing. This is a professional football. We can talk about the condition of a f- professional football and the condition of Alfredo Morelos is uh, there is there is no other word for it, uh, Kenny, for me. It's it's a disgrace. It's unprofessional. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Um, sad to say it, but I've heard more than enough rumours and stories about uh, his lifestyle and the way he's going about things at the minute. Um, to to seriously be, you know, highly dubious about even considering, uh, ex, you know, extending his stay here. Um, I tend to agree with you as well, though, that if he if he gets his head down and to use a colloquialism here, screw the nut, uh, then, um, yeah, I, I, you know, let's see what he does from here on in. I don't even know if I, I tend to agree with you about him changing the game. I think I, I think his physicality uh, made a difference uh, at the start of the game, but he'd barely touched the ball when we were 2 nothing up. Um, it was the way we shaped up in the second half, I think. But, no, honestly, I, I, I'm a massive, massive, massive fan of Alfredo Morelos and, and to watch him this season uh, has kind of saddened me a lot but more so because I don't know if you follow him, follow him on Instagram or anything like that but th- as he was doing his rehab and his build you know building back up to getting back to full fitness that boy was as lean as I have ever seen him Chris and that was only what six months ago so what on earth has happened to the guy uh, as I say Apart from the fact that I've heard a number of stories about the way he's living his life at the minute, and it's sad to see. It really, really is. It really, really is. Eddie, have you got any comment on it? Nah, nothing outside of what you guys have said. I, I can't be bothered with him anymore. Um, he's never going to rediscover the form from a couple of years ago. And to be honest, if you're getting paid such a high wage as he is at our club, the least you can do is keep yourself in shape. And if he can't be bothered to do with that, I can't really be bothered with him. Totally agree with that, Eddie. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, so Rangers get the three points back down the road. Uh, the gap remains at nine because obviously Celtic beat Kilmarnock. Um, we will obviously be playing next week in the, now I think it's the Via Play Cup. Uh, I think Premier Sport were bought over by Via Play, so it's the Via Play Cup semi-final at Hamden. We're playing Sunday against Aberdeen, so no league duty next week. We are at a weird stage where we're not really used to this as Rangers fans. We're playing almost one game a week now um, until kind of February, March, which is quite bizarre for a Rangers fan because our schedule has been absolutely ram-packed for the past year. So this is a good... You mean op- apart from next week when we've got Kilmarnock on the Wednesday and St. Johnson on Saturday? 
Yeah, then after that, it's pretty much one a week. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. Apart from the week after that, when we've got Hearts on the Wednesday and Ross County on the Saturday. Is that... <laughs> well, I think, I think what I was meaning is we got we played uh, played Celtic and then we played Dundee United and then we played Aberdeen. So that's three consecutive games where we've been one a week. Uh, so obviously that gives the, the, the chance to get a few players back, which Michael B alluded to in terms of Yanis Hadji is back on the, the training field. John Souter is back in the training field. And of course, uh, th- th- there is a slight delay in Tom Lawrence, uh, which is a worry, but that also gives an opportunity to bring some guys in, which I do want to discuss because there's been a lot of rumours uh, surrounding that. Now, I have to say the first rumour that i seen was, uh, I, I, as I'm sure we've all seen, um, is Todd Cantwell, and then it was Tom Davies, and then obviously the, the Korean striker. Now, I'm trying. I'm going to try and not butcher this. I actually practised this offline with Eddie. It was a Cho Gyu Sung. Um, he is reportedly um, a, a target for Rangers. Celtic have submitted a bid for him, so we will talk about all three guys now. Uh, now, Todd Cadwell and Tom Davis is a really, really intriguing um, duo to be linked with because these are guys that... Todd, Todd, Todd Cadwell first, we'll come to him first. This is a guy who was touted for 20, 30 million pound moves 18, 24 months ago. Um, a guy who flourished in his first season in the Premier League. His second season in the Premier League was was obviously not not as successful. He's only 23, 24. He's got bags of ability. He's out of contract in the summer. Now, there's been a lot of kind of negativity around him. Um, some from Celtic fans, some from Rangers fans. He's obviously not playing as much at the moment for Norwich. Well, I can tell you right now, that's nothing to do with form. That is to do with the fact that he hasn't signed a new contract. So, he's been dropped for that reason. And... This is this is this is an exciting signing. This is something I did not see coming. The fact that we are getting linked with a guy who's yet to hit his peak, who's had a full season in the Premier League where he ripped it up. Really, uh, I mean that might be a wee bit over exaggeration there, but he had a very very strong season in the Premier League. Liverpool were looking at him. A few more clubs are looking at him. I think Chelsea were sniffing about at one point. And as I said, it was 20, 30 million was a quoted fee. And I get there's a wee bit of English uh, tax on that, but that's, you know, that is the way of the world at the moment. And there's very strong rumours that Rangers are looking to get a deal done for Todd Cantwell to arrive this month. Kenny, would you say, I, I, I don't think I'm kind of over-exaggerating this. I think that'd be an absolutely fantastic sign. Yeah, that boy's a good player. Uh, don't know what's happened to him really. I know uh, Dean Smith and him had a fallout. Is that right? Um, yeah, it was about the contract and yeah. Is that what it was? Um, it was bit, this is what does worry me a little bit. The, the, the contract situation was at the forefront, but I think Dean Smith wasn't really impressed by maybe his attitude or his approach to training. Yeah, he lost his locker or something like that. Even yeah. that's how far out the picture he was. Uh, listen, the the boy's uh, an, an under twenty one international for England, or he was. Uh, played all the way through, uh, nas- you know, international level uh, through the youth setup. Um, as you say, I, that's all I really know of him. I've got to be honest. I haven't seen huge amounts of Norwich uh, over the last year, say, but. Uh, I do remember him from the Premier League. He he can play that kid. Uh, he, he really can play. Uh, and I agree with you. A very exciting signing. Uh, if we can get him back to that kind of level of, of performance, then, yeah, he'll smash it up here. No doubt about it. Is it one that interests you, Eddie? 
Yeah, I think it, it's quite an exciting one if we can pull it off. Um, like you say, he was very highly regarded a couple of seasons ago. And yeah, the contract situation's been a bit iffy and caused a bit of uh, doubt on him this season. But, you know, I, I can see it from his point of view as well. Norwich punted him out on loan. They only gave him a one-year contract extension at the end of last season. You know, he's got to be looking at that and kind of saying as well as the fallout to Dean Smith well if you're not gonna if you're not gonna value me then what's the point uh, I might as well hang off and and in a year move on Um, I think if we can bring him in on loan even at the in this window or a small fee um, to take him up to the end of the year and then it, we can evaluate that kind of three four months of football to see whether it's worth signing him on a longer term Um, tremendous if we can get him in straight away for a kind of long-term contract even better um, so long as the fee fits in with our kind of ability to spend, uh, and I do think it would be an exciting signing who could go on to prove um, a really good player for us. That being said, now we'll probably sign him and he'll get injured two weeks in, like. But there we go. Well, Michael, Michael Beale didn't confirm nor deny. Obviously, Todd Cantwell or Tom Davis or Cho Sung. Um, what he did say, what well, his comments were actually very interesting. He said that he's there's two or three players there that. And they're not just from England. Uh, I said there's, there's, there could be one from the continent, so I'm, I'm kind of taking that as the as the Korean boy. But um, it, it did say that it would excite everyone. Uh, so that that obviously to me, everyone took that as well. We must be looking at the reported names. Now the Tom Davis one is even more kind of peculiar because he is well. He's not had a great season this season, but he was fairly highly highly rated by by Everton. Um, he is a he is a good player. He's, he's not quite, um, you know, he doesn't get quite as much hype around him as, as maybe an Anthony Gordon has. But this is a this is a, a player who's played nothing but Premier League football um, pretty much his whole career. He's neat and tidy. I, 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 that, that makes me a wee bit nervous because I don't think we need one of those kind of neat and tidy players. We need a, a guy that can unlock defences. I think that's your Cantwell. But if we're looking at Tom Davis, uh, I'm thinking that maybe... There's going to be a few casualties because of that, because he is a bit similar to to other players that we currently have, who maybe Michael Beale sees it at the end of the road. Now we obviously spoke about Ryan Jack there. He had a, a very good game yesterday. I'm a massive Ryan Jack fan. Anyone who knows me will, will attest to that. But he's obviously out of contract, and there doesn't seem to be much movement now. And this, to me, is one of those moves that could spell the end of a player like Ryan Jack. Kenny, what do you think about Tom Davies? Now, this obviously another guy who is out of contract. Um, all indications lead to the fact that it wouldn't be a January move, it would be a summer move, so it wouldn't be immediate. Does that kind of reinforce that maybe Ryan Jack needs to look over his shoulder? Um, no, I don't think so. I think Ryan Jack will probably get offered a new deal because, because of the European rule where we need six uh, Scots educated or football educated players in a squad and uh, listen Ryan Jack has suffered from you know injury so so often over the last two or three years that I could understand if people were a bit disappointed by that but oddly enough I would keep him at I think when you see the likes of the second half yesterday, you, you realise that there is a proper football player in there. I also I, I happen to think that Stephen Davis, uh, the injury, we are short. Um, I, I'm not, I don't know what it is with Alex Lowry at the minute, but he is not in Michael Beale's plans at all. Uh, Glenn Kamara might be the one that goes. I, I don't know. I think there might well be uh, one or two in and one or two out. 
but I'm not convinced that we actually are not just looking at that mid or Michael Beale's not looking at that midfield and actually said we're actually quite short in there because when he was here before with Gerard, we we had a number of options in midfield and we don't actually at the minute, Chris, when you look at it. That's very true, that's a good point. Uh Eddie, what's what's your opinion on the Tom Davis one? I think it was very telling. I'm sure in one of the interviews Beale specifically mentioned Tom Davies and Todd Campwell and talked about how he wasn't gonna go into details about them or talk about them specifically. But then when asked about another player, just outright refused to talk about any players. So to me, that kind of gives me the feeling there is a bit of truth behind those two. And I, I think both um, would be good signings. I do think, uh, Davis, if he comes in, you're right. I think that has to signal the end of a couple of the lads that are there already. But we had this discussion even before Beale came in, whether he would come in and he'd be strong enough to say some of these players' careers at Rangers are over now. And I think that signals a kind of intention to act on that which is good and I think that's appropriate and what we're looking for from this manager coming in because we all know there's players there now that have been at the club for a number of years yes they've provided some really good service for the club but as with any kind of football player and football team or most you know there's always outliers but for most footballers and football teams there comes a point where that relationship needs to break up and there is a number in that midfield that that kind of does have to happen and that whole midfield engine needs redesigned under Beale now and we need he needs to be bringing some new players some fresh players and ones that will fit into the system that he wants to play going forward and if that's Davies and Campwell then brilliant get them in get them training under the uh, under Beale and his coaching staff and let us start to build the team that Beale wants to take forward. One thing for sure is Tom Davis and Todd Cantwell will annoy all the right people and they're very flamboyant, they're very eccentric off the park, this is probably the best way to put it. And we talk about enigmas on the field, they're they're probably enigmatic off the field, these two, they're free spirits, they they lead the life that they want to lead and I'm absolutely all for it because... I think that's something that's missing from this Rangers team, and it's been missing for a few years. Individuality, character. Eddie, you want I think, to... yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on there because what we've been crying out for is people who are going to step up, who are going to show their ability, and who are brave enough to get into a game. Now, both of them have shown bravery with their kind of choices off the field. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. They yeah. do They're going to express themselves in the way that they want to express themselves off the field, and they're going to be brave enough to express themselves so they want to express themselves on the field. So I'm absolutely with you on that, completely all for it. Um, They've shown bravery in their personal lives and I'm sure that they'll be able to show that bravery on the pitch when it matters. And that's all I care about is a player that comes to the club who's willing to give their all and be themselves. Kenny, sorry, Kenny, as a final uh, Rangers supporting gentleman, these two would have been absolutely ideal signings by Graham Soonish, you have to agree. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you're, you're absolutely bang on. The the eccentricity of uh, the pair of them will annoy people up here. Um, you know, you can't you can't you can't get enough of that, Chris. If we're if we're going to wind people up, good. Absolutely. And the final kind of rumour is, you no, know, I want to be a wee bit cautious about this because it, it does look like Celtic are obviously front runners to, to sign this lad. Um, they've obviously fully submitted a bid, which is under consideration. So it has to be said that they are probably in pole position for them, but there, there is rumours that Rangers are looking to kind of gazump them. 
um, which is something that we haven't done in quite a long time. Even if that's just a kind of statement, um, I'm kind of all for it. But obviously, I hope the boy has ability as well. So it's it's not going to be a case of uh, you know us talking up a guy who be potentially could be signing and then he goes to Celtic and then that makes us look foolish because at the end of the day, if either of you two, Eddie Kenny, if you know anything about this lad, then I have to take my absolute hat off to you because um, your knowledge of Korean football must be top notch. But obviously, Cho Gyu Sung. The only thing I know about him is obviously he's the first Korean to score two goals at a World Cup, which he did at the, at the World Cup there in December, two, two against Ghana. It helped him into the last 16. He's, I've, I've literally, this is this is just research. Um, I know that, I was going to say something that's fine, but re- research is research. Um, and he's almost one and two in terms of appearances to goal, so that's a pretty good ratio. Um, almost you could almost put him in the kind of clinical uh, descriptive there. So on paper, it looks like exactly the type of signing we should be making because it looks like you know, as Eddie alluded to, with my opinion, of Cholak put the ball into the box and Cholak will score every single day. Could probably do it with his eyes closed, but Michael Beal likes a wee bit more outside the box. Um, can't tell you if this lad is good outside the box or not, but you'd have to presume that he is to fit in a Michael Beal team. And the fact of the matter is, we've just absolutely slaughtered Alfredo Morelos, justifiably, but Alfredo, Alfredo Morelos, in his current condition, remains Rangers' best option up front. So I can see why we maybe will be looking at a striker. And, uh, you know, it's a market we have never touched. We have never touched the Asian market. We're watching Celtic absolutely have a monopoly over that market and they're getting it right more often than not. You have to say, what, 90% success rate? I think the only one that's really let them down is the Idiguchi, um, who I, I think he didn't even cost them that much, so it's hardly been a, an expensive flop. So I'm all for it. A, getting their foot in that market. B, a player who's got a bit of pedigree about him, as I said, almost one and two, had a decent World Cup. And C, as I said, you know, it's it's about time that we we kind of we're, we're challenging Celtic for for a player because we'll just sort of allow them to just get whoever they want in uh, without any say so, um, and that always made me that always makes me nervous. I think successful Rangers and Celtic teams in the same era we're always looking at the same players and we're always fighting over the same players. Well, this this kind of era, it's just we've let them do what they want and they've let us do what we want. And I have to say, over the piece, certainly over the last five, six years, they've obviously been far more successful at that. Um, so does this signing or this potential signing excite you, Eddie? Is it a case of Rangers are maybe just doing this because Celtic are doing it? Or is there, would, would you like to think there's more joined up thinking with us because the signing itself could make sense? And obviously caveating this, Eddie, by, by saying... Obviously, Celtic are in pole position at the moment. So, first off, I know nothing about the player other than what I've seen at the, the World Cup. He looked um, a tidy player, like you say, he scored a couple of goals against uh, Ghana. And outside that, I, I have no knowledge about him, so I'm not going to act like he will be a superb signing. I can't say whether he will or not. I'm not entirely sure if we, if I believe the rumours were in for him or whether it's a bit of agent work because sometimes when we're in for players... Celtic's name will get thrown in just to kind of stir the market a little bit. When they're in for players, sometimes our name will get thrown in for similar reasons. So I can't rule that out. I've, you know, I've never, I haven't seen any of the links from sources that personally, when I see them tweeted out, I trust. So it's not one that I'm 100% sure we're definitely in for. 
if we were, I wouldn't be particularly worried about the signing. I would see it as a positive because as much as I don't want to sing their praises, Celtic have had, a, like you said, a, a very good hit rate in that Asian market. So if he's someone that they've identified as being a signing worthwhile, then yeah, why not go for him as well then? Um, they obviously have done their homework. I would like to think we did our own homework. But the fact that if both of us are legitimately in for him, then there must be something there for both sets of scouts to be interested in him. Outside of that, it would be nice for us to enter the Asian market as well, because like you said, it's not a, a market that we've been involved in very much. Um, and Celtic have had great success there, so why are we not looking to emulate a bit of that and bring in our own success? There's a lot of brilliant footballers in the Asian market that would do well in Scotland, and why shouldn't we start to look in there and kind of make it work to our advantage as well. We've had a bit of success in the European market. We've had a lot of success over the years in the British market. And we've had some success in the American market, not always been great, but Asia continues to be a market that we haven't really explored. And it's about time that we started looking there and seeing what talent we can bring over to, to play for us as well. Just on that point, Kenny, obviously I want your thoughts on the, the obviously the potential uh, signing of Chu Gusung, but um, just to add this point there, Kenny, you know, we have got ourselves in a bit of a situation here in, in regards to the Asian market because clearly there is talent there. However, when players are presented with the choice of Rangers or Celtic, Celtic are obviously going to be strong, heavy favourites to to capture these players from that market purely because there is a an Asian presence within their within their team. So that would make a player more comfortable in joining a a, a team with 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 players from a similar background or in similar you know environment to 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 their home. And you know, it's a bit. We do need a bit of a kind of groundbreaking signing uh, from that market in order to kind of stand up to the monopoly, as I've, as I've mentioned, uh, because I don't think there's any doubt about it now. We're all saying Rangers fans, we, we obviously don't want to praise Celtic, but we, we can all say what we see, and what we see is Celtic signing really good players for not a lot of money, and they're making an impact in our league. Um, and as I said, each player that they sign from that market, it, it puts them in a stronger position to to obviously attract more over because why would the company Rangers when when there is no one there and settling in and bedding in would be far more difficult at Rangers than it would be at Celtic because they have that presence there. So do you think that's something that do you think it's a wall that we need to try and smash down um, in order to get a foot in there? And obviously, as I said, your, your opinion on the potential of signing this guy. Yeah, I think we probably do need to certainly kind of start to delve into that market. Um, I don't know huge amounts about the boy. I remember that game against Ghana, uh, and he was excellent that day, I've got to say that. I also tend to agree a little bit with Eddie. I'm not 100% convinced uh, that it's not a wee bit of uh, uh, agent uh, shenanigans, if you like, but... uh, On the basis of, you know, on the context of what you were saying there in the in terms of getting into that market and uh, how would you put that, uh, breaking it and where Celtic have this advantage because they have so many, I'm not really too sure about that. I think when we actually look at it now, this the, you know a lot of European clubs have been buying it out of that market for twenty to, over 20 years now. Um, Celtic have a number, yeah, but 
I don't think it would concern it. Uh, uh, one thing I do know about this lad, this is what I'm trying to say, is that he is a bit of a massive superstar over there, isn't he? And uh, in terms of his social media presence and the amount of followers he has, and he is a big, big name over there. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not too sure that going to one or the other would be too much of a concern for, for him, to be honest. I think coming to a, a different club uh, in Rangers rather than them would be something that he would look at and would have no qualms about. But I do I totally agree with you about looking into this market and uh, there's, there seems to be a huge amount of good players over there at the minute, doesn't it? The, the the boy from Brighton uh, just epitomises what it's all about over there. Yeah. There isn't a... There isn't a great league. There isn't a strong league. You, you see a, a lot of these players, actually, their background is more kind of amateur, maybe university football, and then they take their chance at professional football and they take it like a duck to water. I mean, that that boy from Brighton is a phenomenal talent and it is something we need to start looking into because, as I said, it's it's not a thing about, oh, let's copy Celtic. Celtic have um, obviously had an advantage with Postecoglou with, with his knowledge, but... At the end of the day, it's not as if they've brought out, brought over players who have been unsuccessful. So it's about doing what's right for Rangers. Um, and getting into that market seems to be something that we have to do uh, quite urgently, actually, uh, because we are missing the boat on quite a lot of players. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that the, the boy from Brighton would have been a, a realistic target, but, uh, you know, an extensive... Scouting network could obviously identify players like that and they wouldn't cost much at all. And th- those are the kind of sidings we do have to look at. Low fee, low risk, big payoff in the end. Um, so I'm all for it. But yeah, I understand, uh, as I said, that uh, I could look very slightly foolish here bigging up a guy who I don't know much about who could end up playing for Celtic and then it could b- come back to bite me in the ass. But that's fine. That's just the way it is. Um, it's, it's, it's all positive, though, because, as I said, there's three names now. Uh, we're now nine days into January at the time of recording and uh, no signings have been made, but at least we have some names to... Uh, to kind of mull over, chat over, get excited about a bit, because I think I have to say the three guys here are exciting signings, or potential exciting signings, um, none more so than Todd Cantwell. So it's, it's stuff that guys like us love to talk about, and that's why we do these kind of podcasts, because um, we do need new players, and the calibre of player that, that we are being linked with is certainly uh, what we need, uh, albeit they have to then prove it on the pitch but certainly if they come with a pedigree which which all three are uh, all three individuals come with a different pedigree to the, to the other which is also another exciting uh, another exciting point to make uh, it's, it's it's all positive from that front we just need to start getting players in now because as I said on the 9th of January uh, time of recording and uh, having no players in that's not what I expected I expected at least one in by this point and I'm getting a wee bit nervous but at least, as I said, I can see that we are being linked to the right type of player. Um, and long may that continue. And just just get them in. Just get them in as quick as we can and get them hitting the ground running. Um, so that's that's us uh, for, for, this, uh, for this episode. Obviously, as I said, next week uh, we are playing Aberdeen on Sunday. So we'll have something out kind of by... Thursday, the very, very latest Friday, but we're hoping to have something out by Thursday. And by the way, I have to say as well, I should have said this at the start of the show, apologies that there was no review for the Dundee United game. There was a wee bit of a sickness bug going around Saturday at 
three towers and we weren't able to align our scheduling there. So that's something that we really, really hope doesn't kind of creep in. We, we will try and consistently put out two podcasts a week, two free podcasts a week, obviously, a review and a preview. Um, so apologies about that. Um, so all, all that's left to do is obviously thank my guests, but before I do that, I'll obviously say what I always say. Please follow us, like us, subscribe to us, um, and all the social media channels. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, and we're on Amazon Music as well. Um, Eddie will obviously give you the email address in due course. So Eddie, thanks very much, mate. No, thank you. It's uh, always a pleasure to come on. Uh, I'm enjoying, especially um, since Kenny came on board, I'm enjoying having these discussions and getting into the kind of understanding of my fellow Rangers fans. So it's a lot of fun. Um, just on the, the email address, it's contact at Saturday at three dot co dot UK. All words. No, uh, yeah, all words. No numbers. And uh all the social media channels and the email address that they just provided will also be in the description for the podcast. And finally, Kenny, thanks very much, as always. Oh, no, thank you, Chris. Thoroughly enjoyed that tonight. Superb. Great fun. Absolutely. So join us later on this week where myself and two others, probably myself, Kenny, and one other, uh, will be discussing the, <laughs> the, the Aberdeen game this Sunday where it's obviously a semi-final so it's obviously a big game to look forward to so join us in, thanks very much